Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? We uh, got a lot going on. Newsy week. A lot of news broke since uh, between podcasts. Sean Payton is back. Tom Brady is gone. D'Amico Ryan's. Head coach, Jerry, talking a lot. So we, we got a lot going on in the football world, even though we got no games and uh, exciting times. So a lot to talk about today. A lot of coaches. I mean, the Sean Payton news w- was pretty wild. I-, I will give some thoughts on that, as well as Tom, Rogers, D'Amico, the Cowboys, and uh, we'll be rocking and rolling. So Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. I'll have one out this weekend. Uh, usually come out Sunday. We will have podcasts next week. Super Bowl week, no big deal. Chiefs, Eagles, pretty fired up. As well as, if you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Greatly appreciate everyone that has. A couple more weeks, we will have the golf podcast. Just email back and forth. Sobel back and forth. Uh, he's back on, so we will talk golf betting. We'll talk the PGA Tour. Once football ends, and obviously I'll keep talking football. Uh, the Combine free agency, the NFL draft. So it's just, you know, football's 24-7, 365. Well, you know, the summer. We'll, we'll dial it back a little bit in the summer. But uh, for the foreseeable future, we got a lot going on. Excited to be talking because it's what I do. I talk. So let's, let's dive into the pod. I want to tell you about my friends at Game Time. Game Time, here's what I need you to do. Go to the App Store, download the Game Time app. For first-time users, when you sign up, Promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, gets you $20 off any ticket. College, basketball, NBA, NHL, concert tickets, Disney on Ice, you name it, they got you covered. Game time app, download it, promo code JOHN. We have a special, though, a very special campaign running for the next, I'd say, eight, nine days up until the Super Bowl. If you use the promo code when you sign up or existing users, it doesn't matter who you are. You've already used the promo code or you haven't even signed up yet. Volume 100. That's the volume, just the word volume, and 100, you get $100 off Super Bowl tickets. You're listening to this, you live in Philadelphia, and you're coming out here to beautiful Arizona. It's about 75 degrees today. Took a nice walk. You want to go to the Super Bowl? You're a Chiefs fan? You want to watch your team win the second Super Bowl in four years? Volume 100. Get $100 off your tickets. Tell us thanks later. Just use the promo code VOLUME100. Tickets to the big game. Save a little cash. We got you covered. 
Exciting times. Exciting times. Let's get into the big story so far of the week. Well, there have been a couple, but I I would say Tom Brady retiring wasn't that shocking. We'll dive into it in a second. A move that, listen, I I don't know Sean Payton. I don't have any inside information on this. When I read Adam Schefter's tweet that Sean Payton, I I was going to say traded, but technically he was just hired and then they traded picks for his rights. It was a wow moment. I I wouldn't say quite a jaw dropper, but it was an eye opener for sure. My first reaction before we dive into Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, if I'm a Denver Bronco fan and they're a big brand, I would imagine we have many listening. I would be elated. I would be over the moon. You should be so fired up. If you're a Denver Bronco fan right now, it's stupid. The excitement level should be at an all-time high. The only other guy they could have hired who was available that would have even come close to this level of excitement would be Jim Harbaugh. And clearly, they were kind of going down that road. D'Amico Ryans, who we'll dive into in a second, is not this level because you needed someone who had a resume of doing this before. Let's call what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. You've gone through some embarrassing times as a Denver Bronco fan. That season last year was a joke. To go from Nate Hackett to Sean Payton is a wide, wide gap. It's kind of the equivalent of the opposite of going from Jim Harbaugh to Jim Tom Sula. Anytime you make an upgrade like that, it's an exciting time. Not just landing the coach, it's exciting. Anytime you get a new owner, you never know exactly how it's going to go. Well, your owner has stupid money and he'll do whatever it takes. He said, hey, it's going to cost pick 30 and next year's second round, here you go. Because here's the reality. I'd pick, I'd trade pick 30 for a top five, six NFL coach every day of the week and twice on Sundays. It's a no-brainer. You could argue the Denver Broncos were so desperate if they would have traded their entire draft for Sean Payton, you wouldn't even have flinched. Now, it's not nothing. That's a large amount of compensation. But the ownership did what they had to do. They came in talking a big game because they got a lot of money. Paid billions of dollars for this franchise. And their first major move was to land Sean Payton. A lot of people talk a big game in sales and never land a damn thing. Some people don't say anything and are always landing business. I, I don't pretend to follow the Walmart family. Like, are they cocky? You guys living in Denver and follow the team. If you're a fan of the team, you know on a day-to-day basis how they've been talking. All I know, judging by their actions, big-time move. So if I'm a Denver Bronco fan, hell yeah. Now let's look at it from Sean Payton's side. Because my first reaction, I've had a couple days now to let this marinate, was why would he do that? Why would he risk going to a team that has a potential disaster quarterback situation given that they might have a guy trending down and making way too much money? And that was going to be, if I recorded a podcast on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever it happened, that would have been my take. And as time went on, I went on a walk and I just, I thought a lot about this because that's what I do. I I think a lot about coaching moves, you know, sick, but luckily I figured out a way to monetize it. And I kept coming back to, well, guess what? The reason he would risk it all is because that's what successful people do. They take chances. They are willing to risk stuff because in this world, whether it's football, whether it's Wall Street, whether it's building homes. The people that are willing to take the biggest risks usually reek the, reap the biggest rewards. Now, sometimes when you take a big risk, it fails. 
just because you're good at your job or successful, like a Sean Payton, doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work. But when you look at just look at around football, Andy Reid, when he got hired by the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 years later, goes, God, look at all the success he's had there. They had the number one pick in the draft. And at the time he accepted the job, they didn't have a quarterback. We wheeled and dealed. He got Alex Smith. They drafted some players, and boom, that year they were in the playoffs. It's like, damn, he changed in one season the culture of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jim Harbaugh came to the San Francisco 49ers when they were a joke. Hell, he went to Stanford when they were 1-11. and So why do we hold guys to such high esteems that has success with such crappy teams? Because it's very, very difficult to do. Now, of course, he would rather coach if you were given the option, Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or a good quarterback and a team that has playoff ability and has literally just been to the playoffs than a team like the Broncos who haven't sniffed the playoffs in a while now. But that wasn't available. And when you factor in the option of this is the riskiest job, given that their quarterback situation could potentially be a disaster, it's also the one that could potentially give him the biggest reward. If he's able to save Russell Wilson's career and get the Denver Broncos, one of the biggest brands on, you know, west of Texas in the league, rolling again in a consistent playoff team, he would get extra credit. Part of the reason he became such a legend in New Orleans wasn't because they won. It was because the franchise he took over sucked, was a joke. They never won. So when he got to the Saints and then he got up with Drew Brees and they started winning all the time and then they went to an NFC Championship game a couple years ago, they beat Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, you get extra credit for doing that. It's What Nick Saban has done at Alabama is remarkable. Urban Meyer winning at Ohio State, Florida, that's very hard to do. You do the same thing at like, I, I don't know, Oregon State or you win at Kansas, you win at Texas Tech. That's pretty damn impressive, too. It is much harder to win at places that haven't been winning. Now, in football, because of draft picks and salary cap, depending on individual situations, you might have a quicker path. Well, this team, now they don't have any draft picks, and they have a quarterback. So there is a lot of pressure on Sean Payton, given that they gave him $85 million, which is irrelevant. Ultimately, that is completely irrelevant, right? It impacts your roster 0%. Whether I paid Sean Payton $85 million or $85, it has no impact on my football team. Now, what you pay the quarterback, that's why Dak's contract and some of these contracts that are too big and they're not living up to it, Kyler Murray, that impacts my roster. We'll get into Russell here in a second. But if Sean Payton, just next year, this team is 9-8 and eight or in the playoffs, he gets extra credit because this team this year, we all watched it, was a joke. Now, part of that could just be Nate Hackett, who more than likely will never be a head coach in the NFL again, which is completely over his head. And that happens. Like that's He's not the first, and he definitely won't be the last guy to be put in that situation. But Sean Payton, my first reaction, very risky job. One, it's a high-profile job. Two, he's a high-profile coach. So you could argue wherever he went, there'd be a lot of eyes on him. But there's a risk. This job is very, very difficult. It's not, to me, an easy fix. But that's what makes Sean Payton Sean Payton. He's willing to take that risk. That's why he's successful. Successful people tend to take more risks. And so when after thinking about it for a couple of years, or I mean a couple of days, of course Sean Payton took this job. And speaking of the quarterback now, I heard Coward talk about this because he knows Sean. 
one thing they need to get Russell to do is try to be a little more normal and be a little more relatable with his teammates. Because clearly there was a disconnect this year. Not just the parking spots in the office, but just interacting. And I don't know if that's possible. You might be able to influence a person's personality in their teens, but when you're 33 years old and you got $100 million in the bank, I don't know if you're changing. So I don't know if they're changing this individual. I I was at dinner last week, eating at a bar with my girlfriend, and we were BSing with the people next to us. And this guy was kind of in an industry where he'd know. And like the words got out. People think Russell Wilson is a weirdo. So I don't know if you're changing that. Now, Russell Wilson was a different cat when Seattle was winning with him. He was a better player. Now, when you look at the way he succeeded, it was mobility, keeping plays alive, outside of the pocket, throwing bombs. He's never been sitting in the pocket, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and picky apart. Well, Drew Brees is the guy that Sean Payton had a lot of success with. Pocket quarterback, accuracy, timing, rhythm. That's not necessarily Russell Wilson, even when he was a Hall of Fame level quarterback. Now, maybe Sean Payton would tell you for the last five years of Drew Brees, I wanted a more mobile guy. It's why I love Taysom Hill. So I'm very intrigued to work with Russell Wilson. The question is going to be, because no one's ever wondered like how much Russell cares about football, how hard he tries about being good. But being a teammate and being all in with the group around you is very important. And it definitely felt like there was a major disconnect. Now, Sean Payton is not going to kiss his ass. He's not going to be Nathaniel Hackett and just bow at Russell's feet. He's going to come in there and tell it like it is. But at the most basic level of pro sports, at the highest level, if you don't have it anymore, there's only so much you can do. Peyton Manning, his last season, the Denver Broncos won a Super Bowl. The reason they won a Super Bowl that year was not Peyton Manning. It was the defense. (laughs) Their defense was freaking incredible. The MVP of that Super Bowl was Von Miller. The reason they beat the New England Patriots in that conference championship is the Patriots couldn't block them. Their defense carried them. Now, Peyton had had other great seasons where you've been, he was Super Bowl worthy, but on that given year and clearly moving forward, it was over. Roethlisberger, Breeze, like at the end, they were not elite level players anymore. And so if Russell Wilson is not an elite level player, no matter how well you coach him, no matter how much Russell tries to capitulate to your demands of being attempting to be more normal, it will not matter. Because if his play is shot in terms of he's no longer as fast, he's never been the most accurate guy, right? Of just in in terms of in the uh, throwing from within the pocket, he's always kind of been more of a playmaking quarterback. They're going to be in some trouble. Now, if they can have him lose some weight, become a little more mobile again, I don't mean running past the line of scrimmage. I just mean keeping plays alive. Maybe you can get a little magic back. But it's pro sports. And I, Sean Payton, what makes him great? Big ego. He believes he can change things. Sometimes you can't. And that has historically got coaches in trouble. So if Russell Wilson is not changeable, I understand why Sean Payton risks it. This is a disaster job. Because one, you'd be stuck with a quarterback that can't really play. But more importantly is the contract is not going anywhere. That hinders your ability to build the team because the way the sport is set up with a salary cap. So... To me, fan base, ownership, A+, I'd be fired up. Sean Payton, completely get why he's risking it. $85 million makes it a lot easier. The question to me in this whole deal is the quarterback. And if his arrow is, hell, if it's just neutral, even if it's not pointing down, you're in major trouble. Because neutral based on last year, even with the better coach, is not going to be good enough. And the AFC is not the NFC.
It's Mahomes and Herbert are in your own division, let alone, you know, the other quarterbacks, Burrow, Allen, you know, even the teams that struggled this year at times, Miami, New England, or Pittsburgh. Like, this is hard. You, you, you don't see shitty teams week in, week out like you do in the NFC. So, great story. I'm excited to watch this play out. They're a fascinating team now. Going to be very, very difficult to uh, save Russell Wilson, in my opinion. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team, faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire. I know I'm on it all the time, looking for people, checking out what everyone's doing. Hiring should be easy, and that is where LinkedIn comes in. So the fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Okay, right now, download FanDuel. Use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. You can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything. Money line, point spreads, who's going to score the first touchdown? The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. Join FanDuel today. Promo code Colin to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HOP E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. The other coach that was hired and listen, there was Schefter and Rapsheet like did D'Amico want the job? I I don't know. I don't really care. You know, it's it's one of those at the end of the day, D'Amico is the Houston head coach and Sean Payton is the Denver head coach. The, the details behind it are kind of irrelevant once you factor in that they're both the head coaches now. And to me, D'Amico Orions is, like, is Denver an incredible opportunity? Only if Russell can still be good. If he's not, it's not. To me, Houston is a blank slate. One, the barrier for entry and, and the way you enter doesn't get any better. 
The last two coaches have been a joke. Now, we can give the Texans and Nick Casario shit for doing it. Hiring David Cully, worked around the guy in Philly. Nice guy. It, it was, there wasn't any human being that ever worked with David Kelly. Now, half of them would never admit this, definitely publicly, I'll be the only one, that wasn't like, this is going to be a complete failure, and it was. Lovey Smith hasn't been good in like a decade. Of course, that was going to fail. Now, you could argue they didn't have many options. People didn't want their job. It was difficult. At this point in time, if your owner's willing to pay those two guys to go away, which he clearly was, this is a fantastic job to start from scratch. And D'Amico came in with Kyle six years ago when his coaching career started. D'Amico's not been coaching long. And I always say this about Brandon Staley. He hasn't been coaching long either in the league. The difference is D'Amico was a team captain, high-level guy. When I was with the Eagles, we traded for D'Amico Ryans. And he was coming off a torn Achilles. It was based on the character, his smarts, his leadership. It's elite. It doesn't get any better. Think like Mike Vrabel-like. His personality is a little different than Mike, but same type resume. Complete badass. And D'Amico, who start, came in six years, well, these last three or four, right? The Niners have had some success. They've won a lot of playoff games. First two, pretty ugly. Kind of a joke. They needed a lot of work. So he's seen what it's like as an assistant coach on the outside, what it's like to build up an organization. Now, the difference is when Kyle got, it's not like they had a ton of picks. The Houston Texans have multiple first-round picks from another team with the with the Cleveland Browns. And there's no guarantee that the Cleveland Browns are going to be good the next couple of years. So they clearly have two good picks this year, and next year could be the same thing again. So you get the opportunity to build your organization. They already got some, a couple young pieces, big couple off seasons. Within a couple of years, you could be really good. I think there are some parallels. Again, different personalities. If you watch them talk, they come across a little different. I think Vrabel's a, you know, probably a little rougher around the edges. D'Amico's probably a little more positive. But both of them, you would want in the trenches with you in a football game. Now, D'Amico has to prove, like Mike, he can do it as a head coach. I saw him as an assistant, and I've watched every snap the 49ers have had since Kyle Shanahan's been there. Robert Sala, who was a fantastic candidate, he was when he got the Jets job. To me, D'Amico is dramatically a better candidate. I don't even think it's close. If you had the opportunity to hire D'Amico Ryans or Robert Sala, you would hire D'Amico Ryans. And I think Robert Sala, if they can get the quarterback situation figured out, is proven to be pretty solid. I would say D'Amico's on a different level as a candidate. Now, one thing you have to wonder is like, Casario's very hands-on GM. He's telling you when to go forward. He's on the headset. Like, if I'm D'Amico, it's like, bro, you're, we're going to need to take a deep breath. There's going to have to be some separation between church and state. Some separation between your GMing and my coaching. That's the healthiest way for us to operate. Now, if I want you, if I need you, I know I got you. And I can have you on the headset. But if I don't, if you're making me uncomfortable... We can't do it. And I think Nick now is going to have to look in the mirror a little bit just because how big of an embarrassment the last two years have been. Now, it's not all of his fault. No one would take the job two years ago. Not a soul. Not a soul. I don't know all the details with last year, but do I think he, he wanted to hire Levy Smith? I don't know if they have many options last year. D'Amico is obviously a fantastic option. He's a fantastic young coach. And they have the opportunity to kind of build this thing right. It's going to take time. But I think if they hit on some picks, going to clearly have to find a quarterback. Uh, and we'll see on the coaching staff who's going to be his offensive coordinator, which is a massive hire. They could be competitive here in a couple of years, especially when you look. I mean, look at the Indianapolis Colts. They're interviewing 700 people. <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts are now in their third round 
kind of finalist, but still working. It's like, what are we doing? Do we have a plan of attack? It sure doesn't feel like that. And that's one of the teams you have to go against, as well as the Titans, which, you know, what's their quarterback situation? It's not like, have they peaked? No, they have a really good coach, so I wouldn't say they're going away, but they have a specific issue. Who's going to play quarterback for them for the foreseeable future? It ain't Malik Willis. He cannot throw. Ryan Tannehill makes way too much money. That that that's coming to a close. So the tight or the the Jags, they're not going away. Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson. You got to find a quarterback, and you got enough ammo these next couple of years to figure out your quarterback situation. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. The two star ones: Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Start with Tom Brady. Officially retires. I think we believe him this time. Uh, retires phone on a beach. He pre-recorded it before going to 80 for Brady or whatever. I, I saw the the clip or the trailer or the commercial for that movie. I who that's a terrible idea. I mean, no one's gonna watch this movie. Regardless. So Tom recorded this like a couple days ago or last week. Like he's known he's gonna retire for a, long, a while, which is the right move. First and foremost, Tom Brady should retire. You're 45 years old. You have nothing left to prove. Clearly, this year getting hit was not something you'd wanted to do. No one blames you. You got seven Super Bowls. You got all these records that most of them will never get touched. You're the greatest winner in football history. You're, to me, the best thing I can say about Tom Brady, I think he's the greatest teammate in football history. And I think his retirement, not his video, but you could tell he got emotional talking about his teammates and his coaches and just the people he's leaving. But then if you follow him on Instagram, which I would imagine millions of people do, when you scrolled through the pictures on his Insta stories, it summed up Tom Brady. Tom Brady's entire career was about other people. It was about the organization. It was about his teammates. It was about his offensive line. It was about others. Making others feel like they were part of him. And I, I, I think that, beside like his height and his accuracy and his arm, the thing that you couldn't quantify, beside like his competitive nature and his desire to dedicate his life for the sport. Because at the highest level, at quarterback, you have to dedicate your life professionally. Doesn't mean you can't have a family. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, sleep seven hours. But when you're awake working, it's all around football. And the reason, instead of being done in his late 30s, like most guys are, he was able to get basically 40 to 45 to keep playing. I mean, even this year, which felt like a disaster, 25 and 9, and his team, now granted, they benefited from a bad division, did host a playoff game. Was because he dedicated his life. Avocado ice cream, the training. He was not fucking around. I, listen, as someone that battles with food, discipline is hard for all of us. And he mastered it. Like he was like a Navy SEAL when it came to football. Most guys in the NFL can't hold that together that long. So those pictures to me, how great of you, like, have you ever heard a former teammate, New England, Tampa, anyone that was around him at a Pro Bowl, anyone that's met Tom, ever say anything negative about the guy? It's why we hold such high standards with these quarterbacks. It's why we're so impressed with Mahomes and Burrow. Because, like, they kind of feel like that. They kind of feel like the Peyton, Brady, just all in with football. Football means everything to them. Listen, if you tell me in a draft uh, meeting or in the combine that the defensive tackle or the slot receiver, he's got a bunch of other interests, but he's a great player, I still draft him. If you tell me the football player 
has like seven other things going on and football's, you know, I think it's number one, but not sure. Like I'm, I'm not interested because the best players at that position are all in all the time. And to me, Tom will just go down. I just, no one's ever winning seven Super Bowls. No one's ever probably playing till 45 at quarterback. Uh, you could have argued he could have stepped away last year, but I get it. He, he didn't want to. And, you know, sometimes it takes some th- other things to go on in your life to realize, like, it, it's kind of over. I can transition in life. It's not easy when you literally have dedicated half your life to doing this. I understand why he wanted to not stop. Giselle can say, I wanted him to stop years ago. Well, Giselle, you wouldn't have stopped being the number one supermodel and the, the person on all the front of the magazines if the magazines wouldn't have picked other younger people over the years. You would have done it so you wouldn't have to stop, right? The reason Tom didn't want to stop playing football is because he could still play football. It's a unique job, right? Most job, I could podcast until I can't talk or think anymore. Tom cannot play football till he's 60. In theory, he could have tried, but it's just, it's, it's, it's an industry unlike any others. Every single person listening to this, if you're not a professional athlete, you get better at your job as you go on. You make more money as time goes, right? In your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s. Professional athletes usually ends mid-30s. Tom is a, an outlier for his own profession, obviously, at 45 years old. I would say in most industries, that's considered very young. You wouldn't see many companies, big companies, naming 45-year-olds as CEOs. But you know he's been a starting quarterback since he was 23 years old. In, in the pros, at least. So... Incredible career. I, I think it was time. He was never going to come to the 49ers. You don't move to Florida for three years and then move your family to Miami. He was never going to move to San Jose. I also think he didn't make that much sense. Like Part of what makes Kyle really good at his job is his offense, is his scheme. It works. You got to have some movement at quarterback. And Tom can't move. Tom, Tom's never been a great athlete, but definitely at this point in time, the boots, the waggles, it just was not going to work. And the other thing, like, well, he grew up a 49er fan. Yeah, things change. There were a lot of things that I liked at 15, 16, loved, was obsessed with, that now at 38 years old, I think a little differently about. That I still might hold some nostalgic uh, feelings toward and have it deep, deep in, like, in my soul, but I wouldn't change my life for it. And I don't even have kids yet. So this notion that, you know, just because Tom grew up going to the catch game, he was, you know, I think that was a little overblown. He's lived the majority of his, he's lived his entire professional life and collegiate life on the Eastern Seaboard. It's a different way of life. When he did own a house on the West Coast, it was in Los Angeles. Now, you can say what you want about Los Angeles and San Francisco. They both got some homeless issues. Downtown San Francisco, you got to keep your head on a swivel, can be robbed at any moment. There are some areas in LA where you don't need to worry about that and are way sweeter in the Bay that overlook the water. And I grew up being an LA hater. A couple years ago, went to LA Country Club, drove around the Hollywood Hills. I was like, I get it. Like, I, I understand it. We got nothing like this up north. <laughs> we just don't. So this notion that he was going to come back to the 49ers, I, I, I thought was somewhat manufactured. He, he never said that, right? His parents clearly still live in the Bay Area, but a lot of people listening, your parents live somewhere else. Like, you know, it's part of being a grown-up. Uh, and then on Aaron Rodgers. I, I think it's pretty clear. The Packers and him are done. It's over. And I'll never quite understand why they just didn't pull the trigger last year. 
felt like they both kind of want to do, but they felt obligated because he won the MVP again. And he was kind of going to stay even when Devontae left. Because remember, he knew Devontae was leaving when he signed his contract. It, I think they both regret it. They sh- Especially after missing the playoffs. They should have just broken ties. So it makes it a little more complicated now. And here's another problem. Is, you know, they say when you're publicly negotiating, you never want to say anything. And rightfully so. Because you give the other side leverage but Rodgers, when you constantly say, and he's been saying this for years about retirement, about not playing football, if you're going to help your team and just get to another team, if I'm the Jets and I'm going to trade for you, if you told me I want to play football until physically, like I don't know if I'm going to play till Tom Brady 45, but I definitely plan on playing for the next two, three years. I'll give you everything I got. I would have no hesitation at the Jets. It'd be risky. Two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers. Fuck, I'd do it. Like, it's worth the risk. Just to be in the playoffs. Just to be good. To be playing on Sunday Night Football. To win 11 games back-to-back years. And have a chance. All I want is to have a chance. Because that's all you really get in football. Make it to the dance. You got a shot. Even though some teams clearly have better shots than others. But the Jets, you add Aaron Rodgers with their talent around them. They could be pretty damn good. They could be pretty damn good. One reason the Packers... Lost in the playoffs a couple years ago, Tampa. Like their defense wasn't great. Their defense was not good. Now, he was, you know, part of the problem in the Niner game. Only one touchdown. Unacceptable. But when he says, I'm always, he never stops talking about retirement. It does make it a little complicated from a Jets perspective. I'd be like, yeah, no one's going to deny that he's not a sweet player and that we could win a lot of games with him. But like, hell, even my first round pick, like, can I give you two twos? What if he retires on me in a year and I give you, you know, all these picks? Now, can we do a deal that is determined or, you know, based on future picks on his status and how we do? I've said over and over, I think that's the easiest way to set up this trade is I trade you pick X and, you know, let's just say it's the second round pick to acquire Aaron Rodgers. And next year's pick is based on did we have success? Does he come back? Like if we miss the playoffs and he retires, like I don't owe you anything. If I make the playoffs and he returns, I owe you a second round pick. If we make it to the AFC Championship game and he returns, I owe you a first round pick because we'd have no problem doing that. Just like the the Saints this year. Excuse me, the the Denver Broncos. Do you think they have any reservations handing pick whatever, 29? I, I said 30, I think on a previous podcast, but then once you do the math, Miami got stripped of a pick. So there's one less pick in the first round. Uh no, you do that every day of the week and twice on Sundays because most people picked at pick 2930 are not even a first round pick, right? Most GMs will tell you there's only on a given draft board of a team, no team has 31 first round picks, right? Most teams, I think the harder, greater teams usually have like 14. Some teams have 19 and it depending on the class, but now it doesn't mean one of those guys that you have graded won't be there when you pick, but no team has 32 first rounders on their draft board. That's not how it exists. It's why a lot of good teams over the years have traded back if possible because they don't want to give a first round contract to a second round player. And I I think with Aaron Rodgers, if I get Aaron Rodgers, who is determined and dialed in and wants to play for a couple years, I I would give two first rounders without hesitation. But given the way that he talks, 
I, I think it complicates the deal. Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires. Dedicated winter tires. Go to TireRack.com. Use the Tire Decision Guide to get personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. You'll get free road hazard protection for a couple of years. Mobile tire installations available all over the country. Have you heard about this? They bring new tires to your home or work. Install them on site. Game changer. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. See their Pirelli test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Now, speaking of a guy that talks a lot, and I know Cowboy fans have a love-hate relationship with Jerry, because I, I don't think it's debatable that, you know, Jerry has been incredible for the NFL, has been incredible for your brand, but he's also impacted your team over the years with his stubborn nature with your coaches and sometimes his emotional decisions with signing players that it's limited your ability to be better than you, you know, you should have been better, right? Like, like the Zeke contract felt like, you know, they were emotionally obligated to it, even though it was terrible. The way they handled the DAC contract, clearly you would like a redo. They could have got him for much cheaper if they had signed him, you know, earlier. But the one thing great about Jerry and even Steven, but definitely Jerry, they talk and they talk a lot. Most teams, like their owner, beside, you know, at the end of the year press conference or like Jeffrey Lurie, if you make the Super Bowl, never say a word. Like if you just look like what's Clark Hunt's take on the team week seven, it doesn't exist. He doesn't talk. Well, Stan Kroenke or Jed York or the Allen sisters, like no one talks during the season except Jerry. And he talks every single week, multiple times. He'll do press conferences in the locker room. He'll do his Colin shows. He loves it. And part of it's his ego. And in fairness to him, he owns the team. He signs the fucking checks. He can do whatever he wants. Now, is it the healthiest thing to do? Of course not. But he does it, and he ain't going to stop. <clears throat> and him and Steven both kind of reiterated the same thing is they love Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was their guy. They thought he was a young star, and they liked him a lot. It's why when Mike was hired, they said, Kellen Moore staying on the staff. And Mike, of course, did it. But one thing that came out over the last couple of days is Mike McCarthy did not want Kellen Moore around. They philosophically don't view the offense the same. Mike is a West Coast offense guy, and Kellen is kind of this hybrid, I don't even know what you would consider Kellen Moore, 
but he didn't want to run Mike McCarthy's offense, and Mike McCarthy didn't want to run Kellen Moore's offense, and they basically mixed the two of them together. And if Mike McCarthy had his druthers a couple years ago when he was hired, Kellen Moore would not have been on his staff, and he definitely wouldn't have been his offensive play call. And they admitted it. They, they literally told you, even though we could all put the pieces of the puzzle together, and it was kind of clear that this is probably what's going on, you never hear an owner say that, especially about his head coach. But I've been saying this over and over. The reason they're doing this, they're putting it all on Mike. Mike, you're the head coach. You're now the play caller. You made us fire. Now, Kellen got another job. It's not like he's struggling. And I'm saying it, and I'm going to keep saying it. That if the Chargers fall up flat next year and their offense is good, Kellen Moore will be the next head coach of the Chargers. He's young. He's cheap. He's good with quarterback. If Justin Herbert has a good year and the offense is explosive, but their defense lets him down and Brandon Staley screws up and they either miss the playoffs by a game or they get bounced in the first round, Kellen Moore will be the next head coach of the Chargers. You heard it here first. But Mike McCarthy's got to win. And to me, they put a bullseye on his back. I think they like Mike McCarthy, but they're basically admitting is we get we let him do whatever he wanted to do. He could fire the coaches. He could name his own coaches. He could take over play calling. We want to see what he's got. And it's hard because Jerry mentioned, like, what's the difference between us and the Niners? Like, we're both coming up short. Well, yeah, Jerry, the 49ers have made six conference championships in, like, the last 12 years. You haven't made a conference championship in 25. Hell, the 49ers have been to two Super Bowls in 10 years. You haven't gone to the, you know, the, the Final Four. So, Jerry, your team, incredible business. The, the brand, the ability to get eyeballs on a TV when you're in a big game, second to none. But your team doesn't win big games. It's just a fact. And so far, you know, McCarthy lost the 49ers back-to-back years. And now I think they're going to put the pressure on him. I don't think he's got to win the Super Bowl next year. I don't think he's got to get to the Super Bowl. But as you saw this year, a team in his division in the Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni. Can Mike McCarthy get him to the conference championship game? He went to a lot of them in Green Bay. It's not something he's, you know, it's not a foreign area to him. But I think if he's not in the conference championship and he loses again in the second round or the first round, because he's going to be in the playoffs. NFC stinks. It's not very difficult. It's like the NBA. If you don't make the the playoffs as an NBA team, you're terrible. 16 teams of 30 teams make it. If you don't make the playoffs in the NFC, there's a chance next year, AFC, you win, you go 10 and 7 and you miss. It's hard. It's very, very difficult. In the NFC, zero excuses. None. You, You get 10 wins, you're in the playoffs. Cowboys prove like they've won 12 games the last couple of years. And uh, to me, I bet against them this year, had egg on my face. I'm not going to bet against next year because I'm going to factor in the conference. And still, they're way more talented than the Giants. I think the Cowboys will be a playoff team. And then the pressure, he better win some games when all the when all the eyeballs are on him because if he doesn't, bye-bye, Mike. <laughs> volume infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring a performance by john batiste 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.